But a lot of people would hear this and they're like, oh, it must be about slavery, right? But no, I don't think it's a show about slavery. It's actually mm. a show about women mm. and the way our society treats women. What if there was a group of people on earth that when they were born, preferred to be submissive to another group of people? <laughs> what if that? And what if our entire planet shamed them for that instinct, made them feel like garbage for that instinct, made them feel like they had to go out and try to be these, these perfect politicians, these perfect citizens, which is what the deers feel they have to be, but it's all hollow for them. It's all a facade because what they really want is someone to believe in a, a worthy master to serve. And that is such an offensive idea. You could never say that. In, I mean, I did. I'm going to get canceled for this episode, of course. Look, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm saying some people feel that way. And it is an interesting concept to explore. Would you like to know more? All right, Malcolm. So today we're going to talk about various anime shows and what they mean about larger society because, and I think you've made a really interesting observation about this, fiction in the past used to be meaningful and something that we talked yeah. about in English class because it said something very profound and meaningful about society that was often subversive and that often couldn't be said out loud. So you had to say it through allegory. You had to say it through some like fantasy world yes. or through fictional story. And everyone had to infer the meaning, the societal commentary. And now that doesn't really happen in that much in fiction. It's all like romance. So I got to get some context for this. So first, this is actually our second recording because we both forgot to hit record the first time we were doing this. Yeah. And so parts of this are going to sound a little rote. I'm sorry about that. But we did want to do another anime episode because the last one uh, well, wasn't one of our most watched episodes. People were like really into it. They were like, actually, like I'm really nerdy about this stuff and I appreciate you guys talking about it. So we're like, let's go deeper into this. But um, I think so for, for non for non-weebs in this in this audience, and I'm, it's not like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a nerd too, but I, I do think that Malcolm is right in that if you want to see genuinely unique social commentary, you're going to see more of it in anime than you are, especially like also, you know, in Western media these days, so much has been sort of like bankrupt and hollowed out by the woke cult, essentially, that you're not going to see social commentary. You're not going to see subversive ideas in literature or in mainstream Western media. Where are you seeing it anime? So that's why even if you're not into anime, we recommend well, considering some of the shows that we talk about, or we'll at least considering the, all the interesting ones, there, we'll add interesting ones and we'll talk about them later. So people don't need to actually watch the shit. Okay. <laughs> um, and this actually comes to a point. Somebody in our last one, they were like, Oh my God, I can't believe the Collins is don't just watch Isakaya, but they watch bottom tier. Isakaya is a form of like Japanese tapas. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Japanese born in Japan. Anyway. So we, no, no, no. But, but I wouldn't have had the revelations I had from that last anime had it not been such a low tier anime, had mm -hmm. it not been such a low quality anime, because yes. the low tierness of it stripped out all of the nuance and engaging plot. So I was able to see what the core of the genre actually was mm -hmm. with no scaffolding around it. Yeah. And like in other words, lowbrow media is based and pure and straightforward about everything. And we like that. Yes. And, and it can often do things that other media wouldn't. And so this came, got me thinking, like, what anime have I seen where I might not have seen it if I was screening for quality? Um, <laughs> one that came to mind was one that some people mentioned in the comments, which was Therme Roma. True classic. Uh, Therme Roma Best thing ever. Terrible Netflix adaptation. Do not watch it on Netflix. Find yeah. the original through mm -hmm. some streaming site or something. Mm -hmm. It is God tier anime, but the animation is basically stills. 
It is. It's yeah. It's low worst, effort. It's low budget, but low it's brilliant. Budget. But what it does is it, it's not just like a good learning opportunity, but it's like a good historic learning opportunity because it's contrasting through time travel the bath culture of Japan and the bath culture of ancient Rome, and it's it it, it is both humorous and informative, but. The probably one of the most interesting plots I have ever seen in any show combined with one of the worst, most boring shows I have ever seen came from an anime from 20 years ago called Deers. And this anime. It's that old? Yes, 20 years old. Let's see when it came out. When did the Deers anime come out? 2004. So it's, yeah, 19 years old at this point. Wow. Um, Which is wild to think about. So this anime, to understand how low tier this anime was, back then, you did not get much sexualization of women in mainstream anime. You you would get like the transformations in something like Sailor Moon or something like that. But like this level of, of sexualization was actually pretty rare except for that one anime i'm thinking where are you saying that she was a little girl and the girl who turned into a spaceship but we're not going to talk about that one because that's are you saying that deer was was pretty sexualized yeah that one was pretty sexualized it's the only other from that time period i know of that was like as sexualized as deers no deers was more sexualized because like many of the characters wore like kink get-ups most of the time it was almost borderline like pornography when for the time period now today it would be considered very mainstream anime in the amount it was sexualized but back then low tier writing low tier that but the plot insane and so she was talking about how anime can sometimes go into things and the point of media is to challenge our preconceptions about things so if we look at the closest show to deers that has come out in western media it's i think it's called like area 51 or something it was about those aliens that crash landed in africa and then were basically treated like apartheid blacks were in africa and it's like wow that is super on the nose and you were not challenged. No, there isn't like some big group of watchers of this that were like, I used to be pro apartheid and now I'm anti-apartheid. And, and then I watched this movie and I realized really the ills. The whole thing for me. Hmm. But in this anime, it just, I'm not going to go too deep into it because we're going to save that for later in the episode. But in this anime, the aliens that crash land on earth are actually bred and designed to be a slave species, to be a servant species to another species. And they cannot achieve fulfillment or real happiness without doing this. Mm. However, landing on earth, they believe due to Earth's history and the biases of the people of Earth that if the people of Earth learn this about them, that they will treat them poorly and potentially even force them to leave. And so they feel constantly sort of oppressed and bigoted against and have to hide their true identity, which is slaves who want to be slaves Hmm. and that's really interesting like that's so much more interesting than like the house elf way of doing this in harry potter or something like this because it genuinely causes you to ask questions which we will get to later in this because it combines this with a bunch of other themes which lead to other interesting things but other animes that cover topics that like why don't you why don't you want to just dive right right into this why don't we just dive into because it will lead to more people watching what you do is you you drop a few breadcrumbs then you cover it at the end of the episode um you typically want to break up an idea like that but uh, to another anime because you were mentioning this in the unrecorded bit that you were like oh yeah this is really a topic you couldn't touch on in the way it touches on it in western media Uh, yeah so 
another anime that I, I think is really good at sharing subversive ideas in through through anime, like in modern media, is B Stars, which is like most animes, it takes place in a high school setting. It's basically imagine Zootopia, but in a high school setting and super fucking dark. Like because actually there is, we'll say like, you know, the equivalent of human trafficking with like, there are some predators who will actually pay money to kill prey in this world. And the the high school students who go to school together are in active tension where predators will <laughs> this is really, really tempted to kill prey. When you, this is really important. It's a, It's a world in which the different species of animals are actually systemically different from each other mm -hmm. and in some ways a threat to each other. And this is really important if you're going to talk about things like sexual differences in humans. Mm -hmm. You can look at something like Zootopia where the solution is that actually any threat that some of them posed to other of them was completely artificial and contrast this with beef stars where when we live in a society where when a woman goes out at night, she is genuinely at risk. In our world, at risk of another part of our species, men targeting her, preying on her. This is, and finding out how to structure our world in which it heightens these differences between individuals and says, okay, if there really are systemic differences between individuals, if there really are things like night markets where the predators go to basically eat other humans or buy meat from other humans that have been dug up in graveyards or in other ways smuggled into this, like, how do you live with that? How do you have that as a coming of age ritual? But how what's I think even more interesting about the show is one of the main characters is prey is is a basically like a slutty rabbit and they really because you can't talk about this in modern society but she while being prey also really like plays around with the dynamic of being prey and often tempts people and baits people in a way that makes her demonized throughout the school but also like gives her various advantages and in a sense power over other people then i think it really plays with the the concept of you know like blaming the victim you can never talk about a woman being victimized in yeah. some way and it, it and her having a role in that victimization it and makes yet, it in very show, clear that she is an active predator mm -hmm. and yet she is a diminutive prey yeah and that i think in a lot of shows like this they would have an individual act this way and they would either completely shame it, just be like, she's a bad guy. Like this is yeah. what would have happened if this was done in like an 80s scary movie, right? Like <laughs> she'd be the first to die. Yeah. Or they would have a character act this way and be like, but she's an empowered woman. And it doesn't take either of those easy routes. Her actions actually do hurt some of the people around her. Mm -hmm. At first you see her being bullied and you think it's just slut shaming. And then you see the real damage she is doing to other people's lives mm -hmm. and, and, and real systemic damage. So for example, in the first episode, so this isn't giving that much away, you know, you learn that she had broken up the relationship between an endangered species with another one of their kind in sleeping with this girl's bo boyfriend. And that that's why this girl is bullying her. And you're like, oh shit, like that was kind of justified bullying. I, I hate to say it. Like sometimes if you are actively going out and targeting people who are in relationships and that you learn that she is doing this to gain a feeling of power, but that she actually yearns almost for self-victimization because she feels like right in her role as prey, which is also a very interesting emotional subset that I think we as a society are shamed in talking about or engaging. Mm -hmm. And I won't go too deep into what I'm referring to with that. But what I will say 
is throughout this, we're going to get spoilers. So just spoilers, spoilers, spoilers throughout this when we talk about things. But keep in mind that there's been a great study on this. And it's one that Simone always cites to me, which has completely desensitized me to spilling spoilers, <laughs> which shows, what does it show, Simone? That people actually enjoy content more when they have been exposed to spoilers. So I love spoilers. I always want to, want to know what's going to happen. I enjoy things more. Of course, Malcolm has grown up in a family where spoilers are like, worse than like killing the family dog. So I understand that many people are very against spoilers, um, yes. but not in this house. You're not in this house. So another anime that, that I think is really interesting in regards to the concepts it touches and very, very relevant to this show is an anime called Frank's. This is a studio trigger anime, so so absolutely wild, like they they typically are. But as to where it's relevant to this show, it, the first area is you see in it, you at first believe it's just a bunch of young kids in a school fighting in mechs against aliens. And as it goes on, it unveils more and more about the world. So it starts as like the most generic anime you could imagine. Yeah. And then it begins to unfold and you see more and more. And these kids had originally thought that they were like kids who were recruited into this, or at least this is the impression you get uh, by their parents, by a society that's threatened by these aliens. Hmm. And as time goes on, what you learn is no, they aren't actually. What they are is the people who they are trying to protect because they accidentally get into their settlement at some point. They've lived for thousands of years. And do the, uh, and they, do the, do the young people fighting these mechas not know that? No, they don't know that. Whoa. Uh, these, well, are, are they may not know that. Like they, 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 they genuinely are unaware of what's going on in the adult world. Huh. And these people have, because they've lived for thousands of years, you know, they've all been in relationships with each other multiple times. They live with this enormous ennui. They all seem to not hate their lives, but they live completely passionless and sympathyless existences. Because they have been around for so long, not only do they take almost no passion other than like, that bleeding type of passion you might get was the 50th, 60th person you've had sex with. But they also, this was sort of like this sad passion they get from the things that do give them passion. Like it feels very hollow and it's portrayed as very hollow, but they are unable to value the lives of these people who haven't lived as long. And what this shows, because to them, there's these little blips that they created in a lab. And yet it contrasts it with like, the the dynamism you see within these individuals' young lives, young love for the first time, you know, finding out who you are, sexual identity for the first time, you know, exploring friendships and, and betrayal and all the stuff you would see in an, in a high school anime. And it just contrasts this enormous passion in these disposable young people versus this on way this ennui and these people who have extreme life extension technology. And I think that this is actually kind of an inevitability that we keep warning about with life extension, but is so rarely framed this way among the life extension proponents. How is a person who's lived a thousand five hundred years really going to see a baby or a 10 year old or a 15 year old? Will they really have the capacity to value their lives in the same way we value other human lives, us young people? Will they really have the capacity to enjoy life anymore? more in the same way. Even as a person who's in my mid-30s, I can tell you, I don't enjoy life with the same amount of fire and gusto I did when I was, you know, 15. And I see it in our little kids, the amount that they really, you know, the, so, and in the show, eventually this old society dies out and humans start breeding again. Like this is seen as the solution 
to life extensionism is pronatalism, is intergenerational aging and death and growing again. And that, that is, a, 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 and behind all of this is human sexuality, which I also think is a really mm. thing, and human gender, which are major themes in this. The robots that they are using to fight in this war, they can only be piloted by a, a, a biological male and a biological female or a male assigned to birth and a female assigned to birth. However you want to use these words, like biological might be an offensive way to put it, but like cis male and cis female is also the wrong way to put it because there is a gay character in this and she tries to pilot a mech with- Well, I mean, a, a lesbian would still be cis if she was Okay, born. okay, so yeah, I guess there's no like intentionally trans characters, but it's made really clear in this. You have to be with the opposite birth gender for the mechs to work. And, and even if you have an attraction, even if you're like, yeah, but for me, I'm attracted to girls, that mechs won't work. And I think that that's capturing an element of this, an almost inescapable element of the, the human history where if you're dealing with this one group that's fighting for sort of intergenerational human dynamism, they can be as tolerant as they want to people of different sexual orientations, which they are in the anime, um, but it doesn't change the way that those people are able to participate with current levels of technology, at least, in this sort of intergenerational dynamism. I totally forgot, but actually the show does address this late in the season. There are same-sex couple pairings that, that work, but only with additional technology and, like, cutting-edge stuff. And in some of these pairings, it, it's even heterosexual couples, but with the woman topping the man. And that was really fascinating. that They went there with those themes. Um, and I actually looked it up afterwards because I want to make sure I remembered it. And the first comment I saw was somebody on Reddit being like, "Does I watched the first half of Branks. Does it somehow get less problematic? <laughs> and the first comment was like, oh, my sweet summer child, you have no idea. Another theme of the show that I found very interesting is that at the beginning of the show, many of the men will want to pilot the mechas with the same women who are seen as the best pilots. And they do this not because they like the women or anything like that, but they see it as a status game amongst the other men. And obviously this is much to the chagrin of, of both the women who are seen as the high status pilots and the women seen as the lower status pilots. But as the show goes on, it becomes clear that everyone pilots best with one person who they are uniquely compatible with. And the desire to pilot a mecha with another person's compatible pilot or with multiple pilots increasingly looks juvenile and obviously not optimal. The message being that it is juvenile for men to choose a partner for status rather than compatibility. And that basically they're, as, as they say in a, another movie I really love, we're in this for the species, boys and girls. Um, and it's not about individual status games amongst other males. I was watching some clips from the shows in AMVs, that's animated music videos, uh, where people will restring parts of anime over popular songs, which is a core way I listen to music. And I have been shocked by how based some of the quotes I see are that I didn't realize how based they were in context because I thought of it as just normal quirky characters being quirky in an anime. For example, it is so relentlessly pronatalist you get lines like, if you don't have a partner, find one. And if you can't find one, take one by force. Or uh, relentlessly monogamous. 
When you kiss someone, that's a statement they belong to you. So you should only kiss the person you love. But I love that because those are all themes that you would just never see in a Western show. Yeah. You would never see these themes in a Western show. And it is fascinating to explore them. But in a way, I find these themes are sort of muted in that they are just thematic and aesthetic in that show. It's more saying this is good, this is bad. Hmm. You know, now we're going to get to Deers, which is very different. Oh, circling um, back. Okay. Circling back. Simone was asking me, Malcolm, why don't you just finish talking about it now? No. And I go, because it's good plot structure in terms of how you deliver a podcast. You have to give the bait, show why it's interesting and they should keep watching. And then you say some interesting things as meat in the middle. And then you close it off at the end with tying back to the original bait. Oh, but you've no. got to make it juicier. People won't continue to watch. You see, story structure, Simone, story structure. <laughs> But so Deers, as I said, slave race crashes on earth. They feel the need to hide this. It turns out that one of the slaves is defective and oh. is essentially meant to be discarded, like turned to ooze and then returned into usable product. And she accidentally is dropped out and she is found by a human. And this human ends up bonding with it. Like he becomes its master. And what you realize is the way it's defective is both considered a defect worthy of recall. So the, the mastership wants to destroy her, liquidate her, reform her and give the fixed version to the guy, okay. which obviously as a human, he's not super cool with that idea. And, but also sort of a God among her species. And what makes her a God is a superpower that she has, which is also her defection, which is that, she can, whenever she wants, choose who she wants to be her master. Oh, interesting. Uh, now, she can only choose one master. Okay. But she gets At to a time? choose that master. She At can initiate the engagement ceremony on her own oh. without being pre-programmed or command from the central ship. Okay. Like, normally, you would be assigned by the central ship. And this is the way the other aliens so in are other words, normally, it's arranged marriage. She can choose her, her husband in this world. But it's still, it's not like a serial monogamy world. Once she chooses her master, that's it. Yeah, that's her master. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. And it, it explores interesting concepts like this. Like, another one had had a master who actually was, back in the day when she was an actual alien, you know, in, in uh, one of these. From another the master had died, and she can't recreate a connection. And so, yeah, it's, it's sad. So the show deals with like a lot of stuff where you're like, oh, that's really interesting. But um, what's fascinating about the show is what this is obviously supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people would hear this and they're like, oh, it must be about slavery, right? Which is an interesting thing. And it would be interesting if that's what the show was actually about or the themes that it was getting at. But no, I don't think it's a show about slavery. It's actually mm -hmm. a show about women. And mm. the way our society treats women. What if there was a group of people on earth that when they were born, preferred to be submissive to another group of people? <laughs> what if that? And what if our entire planet shamed them for that instinct, made them feel like garbage for that instinct, made them feel like they had to go out and try to be these, these perfect politicians, these perfect citizens, which is what the deers feel they have to be. But it's all hollow for them. It's all a facade because what they really want is someone to believe in a, a worthy master to serve. 
And that is such an offensive idea. You could never say that. It's, I mean, I did. I'm going to get canceled for this episode, of course. Look, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm saying some people feel that way. And it is an interesting concept to explore. But yeah, I, I, I really liked that framing. And then on top of all that, they say, and imagine that your superpower is one that every woman has, which is that they can choose who they want to spend their lives serving. So it shows sort of like a be happier for what you have than you should, you, than a lot of people frame it as being. It's not mm. a bad thing to live your life in service to somebody else if that's what you want. And I'm not saying all women are born this way. I'm just saying that if we are realistic and we look at the data, and we've obviously done the data on this, a huge portion of women desire relationships in which they are the subordinate partner. But you can also choose to look at it from the perspective of, and this is a chapter from the Pragmatist's Guide to Sexuality, humans as a slave race. Uh, you, you point out in that book that there were a lot of actually selective pressures encouraging most humans to be comfortable with and well adapted to essentially being a slave to someone so, higher. So I'll, I'll, I'll word this differently. Most of the selective pressures throughout human history were applied to the humans of the lowest social status, mm -hmm. not the humans of the highest social status. You were much more likely to lose access to mates or much more likely to be killed if you were a low social status human who flipped, messed up than mm -hmm. a high social status human who messed up. Mm -hmm. And because of this, the selective pressures applied to our species primarily applied to people in surf-like roles. But they, they do show up in people with super senior roles. I mean, like in the past and in, in European kings, they were still slave <coughs> God. They served God. Oh, um, yeah. So like you can even see it in, in various echelons of various cultural clusters. Yeah, we as a like, species feel uncomfortable without a master often. Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. then you see this in the king saying, well, my master is really God. Or mm -hmm. in the president or a politician. Saying, well, my master is really the people. Exactly, or, yeah. Everybody has to be a servant to something. Mm -hmm. um, uh, mm -hmm. and that's really fascinating. Are we a slave race? Are yeah. we meant to be, yeah. you know, and, and, well, and, and we live in a culture, especially United States. I mean, it's, I would say Japanese culture is a little bit more amenable to hierarchy, but in the United States, it's like super not okay to be a boss, the entrepreneur, like the one calling the shots. And I, that does create a lot of tension, perhaps unhappiness, lack of fulfillment, not just for women, but also I think for many men. Yeah. So, you know, something I was going to say is, is my brother, he had this idea and I was going to share it with him on the show, but he's, he, you know, we don't want to get him canceled or anything. So we're not having him on the show anymore. And the idea was really interesting to me. It was what if aliens find humans and the thing when we first meet aliens that they're most shocked about, about humanity is they're like, Oh, you're a swarm intelligence. What does it feel like <laughs> to be part of the swarm intelligence? And most humans are like, I don't think we're a swarm intelligence. And they're like, what is the internet? How did you build this spaceship? How mm -hmm. did you build this product? How did mm -hmm. you build this company? Mm -hmm. Hundreds and thousands of you working together, all contributing little bits of ideas, all communicating. You are a swarm intelligence. What exactly. do you mean you're not a swarm intelligence? Yeah. And I found that to be a really interesting concept of what actually turns out to be weird to humans is one of the things we expect to be weird about aliens. They yeah. come here and they're like, oh, why are you guys all like looking for masters. Yeah. That's a really weird thing. Why do you all um, flock in the same, you know, mimetic direction and, and watch We get classified and... as a slave species, like a yeah. species that desperately <laughs> desires the, a master. So, so that's fascinating. If, if, yeah. so, so I love those themes that, that it is able to explore. Another thing that it explores, which way ahead of its time is a teacher who is constantly trying to push her sexuality on the students and the students 
who are is this in which anime is okay I'll have a little like shot of it. It's very clear. And students are completely nonplussed by this. They're looking at this like, oh God, not again. You know, not one of these stupid things where you try to sexualize a situation or just here to learn. So also another very problematic anime from Western standards. Wow. People now, now we've gone through the, the main anime we wanted to touch on. Oh yeah, another reason why I would say it does make sense to sometimes, I think much more than with Western shows, continue to watch an anime, even if it seems kind of bog standard at the beginning. (laughs) Animes are much more likely to have like wacky plot reversals. So one that I would think of here would be Shuffle. Anyone who's seen Shuffle immediately knows what I'm talking about. So Shuffle starts as like this slice of life harem comedy. And people are familiar with harem comedies, right? We've all seen them, you know, where one guy is dating many women. Now, typically the convention- Not necessarily dating. Like maybe like, oh no, I live in a house with like 15 gorgeous women, that kind of thing. And they all have a crush on me. And now I need to choose, you know, that's typically- But typically within a harem comedy, the convention is is there's one character that like obviously is the one he's going to pick in the end. Mm -hmm. And then all the rest are more just for jokes. And in Shuffle, he ends up choosing one of the characters, like- actually choosing one and it's not the one who's like supposed to be his main one from the beginning and then she has like a mental breakdown and tries to kill everybody oh you mean the Um, one who who should have been the one yeah oh and and it shows you i think really interestingly what would happen if you actually pulled this harem comedy shit on a real girl amazing um, that she would immediately go crazy and try to kill everyone uh i don't think women's murderous capacity is is as realistically as high as you think though i think maybe from a fantasy standpoint i actually heard a fun theory today that like the reason why women are so into real crime podcasts and documentaries and stuff is like they are fantasizing about the real crime that they themselves are too weak or low testosterone to commit essentially interesting theory that is an interesting theory well i mean okay so we can talk about like an anime that got multiple seasons that i actually like somebody here was like oh why don't you talk about i i can't remember it was some like dark anime and i was like oh i don't know i don't love animes like that and i was like oh well i guess i did really like when they cry this is the one that was just murdering like Every day. Yeah, it's like Groundhog it Day, but with murder. Episodic. It later becomes like like individual episodes are mostly disconnected from each other. And it's the same characters, but they're in different stories. And every story basically ends with uh, one of the characters. All the characters are young kids, you know, killing most of the other characters in Wonderful. very gruesome ways. Great. If you want to, you're like, I don't get why this would be entertaining. Imagine like the Arya Stark plot line. You know, you might like it. You're like, oh, young girl goes through some shit, becomes really resilient, ends up murdering a lot of people, trying to save everyone. Imagine that, but it was just over and over and over again (laughs) until you begin to like become sort of numb to the brutality of what's going on. God, no. Now, as an adult, I don't know why. I don't think I'd like it as an adult. I think it's one of those things that was like fun for teenage me, but would be horrifying for adult me. But if we're talking about, okay, I, I'm going to give a few anime recommendations that are like slop. If you want- But but that- hold on, the, the theme of this, and I want you to hold to it, is slop that has subversive or interesting commentary on mainstream society. Uh, she can't keep me from adding one that's not controversial here. A complete bog standard anime worth checking out, if only because Roberta has strong Simone energy, is Black Lagoon. If you like Kingsman-y, James Bondy sort of stuff. Okay, I can't think of any of that. 
I, I do not know how I forgot this one, but the second season of Gurren Lagann, which is also one of my favorite anime. I actually think the first season of Gurren Lagann, which is just sort of mecha show, um, it has some unique things, but it's pretty bog standard, if, if considered a classic. But the second season is really interesting because it takes place after the heroes have won, after they have reconquered the world from the alien, furry bad guys, and now they need to reestablish a society and actually deal with, like, politics and humans just being terrible and everything like that. And I really like such a comically heroic, you know, good and bad anime first season, then completely translating into a, oh shit, what do we do now that we've won situation, in part with them realizing most, if not all, of what the villains of the show had done are things that they now need to do that they are in a position of power. With, as I think happens many times in the real world, you know, whether it's Winston Churchill or Themistocles, the populace of a democratic country turning on the person who made their very freedom possible in times of peace. <laughs> I, I can suggest a few that we didn't suggest last time that might be interesting. Well, a good one for mainstream society commentary is Psychopaths. If people are interested in that, I'm just not even going to give anything on that. That's just like a high quality anime. And Future Diary, that's another like high quality anime with good commentary. And we already mentioned Goblin Slayer, whether or not that has good commentary that is timely. And relevant. Uh, it has very timely commentary, but not commentary that we can talk about because it's too cancelable. <laughs> No, 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 no. We're talking about his persistence. We're talking about his persistence. <laughs> his, his mission focused and his persistence. Don't you dare say anything else there. We're I definitely not saying anything else. Cut some lines here. And what else would I say? Oh, Shaka no Shana, I definitely recommend as another like high quality anime. But I don't know if it has like themes that, that I'd really recommend. Can you think of any other with themes where you're like, these themes were really interesting? Sadly, I've just not watched that much anime. So I, I cannot... I and mean, we already talked about through Isekai anime, like what that means about larger society. So I would say that entire genre is pretty good at revealing some some deep set problems in many developed societies, but that's it. Mm. Since who knows how long it's going to be before we do another anime episode, there is one plot line that gets regularly covered in anime that I feel has been done criminally poorly every time it's been done. And it's just a gripe I have that I need to get out there. So hopefully somebody can do this right. So it's a plot line that I saw first competently introduced in Rosario plus Vampire, but it was later redone in Demon School. The idea is, is a human gets sent to a school full of monsters or demons or magicians or something like that, and if it's found out that this human has no magical powers, that this human is going to be killed. And they have to hide that they have no magical powers from the school around them, you know, I'd prefer to see them do it using modern technology uh, that the world doesn't have a full grasp of yet, like whether it's it's gunpowder or explosives or anything like that, or magnetism, etc. I think that'd be really cool, but the way it's done in Rosaria plus Vampire is just powerful monster girls end up getting crushes on him and end up hiding for him that he's a human. And then in Demon School, it's just all luck. He just, you, he has this enormous luck armor and never does anything through his own competence, uh, which is really sad. I have seen one anime that might be doing this that is next on my watch list, which is called Mashable Magic and Muscles. But in this one, he seems to uh, be hiding himself, or I don't even know if he is hiding himself just by being incredibly strong, like physically strong in a world where everybody cares about magic. All right. Well, Simone, I love you to death. 
I may even, if I'm able to get away with it, do this episode with the outro from Deers uh, because <laughs> okay. I think it's a great outro and I don't even know if anyone cares about that property anymore. <laughs> and you are absolutely amazing and I love that you love nerdy stuff. I love that whenever I walk by your room at night, there's anime on and it's ridiculous and I just adore that about you. It's wonderful. <laughs> you are spectacular. Have a good day. You too. Goodbye, sir. Goodbye.